0: Hello, this is Michael Fanning, and I'm the host of the Windermere Coaching Minute. This is our quick form podcast, where we'll talk to Windermere agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light. In each episode, we'll talk to real estate professionals to learn what they have done that have allowed them to be better than they were yesterday. Please enjoy our podcast. Hello, everyone, and this is Michael Fanning, and welcome to the Windermere Coaching Minute. And I want to talk today specifically about our industry, specifically about how we show up, specifically about how we create a sense of professionalism, and um, sometimes the lack of that happening in our industry. So the first thing I want to do is just kind of talk a little bit about you know our industry as a whole. So we are called Independent Contractors. And we work for all different types of companies in terms of how they how their fee is set up and whether they're a franchise or an independent of things of that nature. But ultimately, as real estate agents, we're independent contractors. And we have guidelines. We don't have mandates of how we choose to provide a level of service to our clients. And if you think about companies today that do a great job, there's some consistency in what they do. And I thought today I would just kind of talk about that because, you know, one of the biggest challenges we face with some of the changes happening in our industry is you know, how we get compensated fairly. And a lot of people, you know, are worried about the fact that they may get paid less and um, they're really focusing on the, the the gap, if you will, or the aspect of scarcity versus the aspect of abundance. And if you've ever read the book, The Go-Giver by Bob Berg, you know, it says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in service than you receive in payment. And I think that that's something that all of us can take a look at and get a good grasp of how we're showing up. And so I just thought I would kind of take this time with this podcast today and really give you some ideas around where maybe you need to kind of, you know, tighten up your systems and really think about how you interact with a client, because so many times Um, I think we forget that there's all these what I call moments of truth. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And I also think that we suffer in our industry uh, because we get what I call commoditized. So I thought I would give you the definition of a commoditization to begin with. And I'm just going to read this to you, but I want you to listen to this carefully. Because if you're struggling right now with your clients really uh, understanding your value and questioning you on what you're getting paid, um, that's on you. That's on you because here's what I'll tell you. Your clients are willing to pay you if you bring value. But if you don't bring value, right, then they're going to drop down to the lowest common denominator, which is price. And this is where we get what what is called commoditization. So commoditization refers to a process by which goods or services, in this case, you provide services that were once distinct become simple commodities so, at some point in time, they were they were differentiated, but now they've become commodities. A commodity functions primarily as a basic good that can be interchangeable with equivalent goods of the same type, or services that could be exchangeable with equivalent services of the same type. Commoditization usually refers to a loss of distinguishable qualities and competition, mainly on price, right? rather than quality or feature differentiations. And so think about that. If I have a client that I'm working with and they say they don't want to pay me and then they go work with somebody else, it's not because maybe that other person was better than me. It's because we both had similarities that they felt were exactly the same. And if there's nothing differentiating me, then the consumer is always going to navigate to what's the best price but if there's a value add if there's what's called a value wedge right something that you have that nobody else has or something that you do that makes me feel amazing then the client's going to pay for that and here's what we know uh and just we look at buyers and buying decisions you know 80 percent of people out there who are buying products or services want to pay as long as they perceive the value and the quality of the buying population want to pay more. 15% of the buying population is going to always want a discount. And those are people that you've got to be willing to walk away from. Okay. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, do you have a value edge? That's That's a great thing to sit down and ask yourself as we go into this new year. What is your value edge? Then the next thing you want to think about as we talk about this is now we want to talk about what I call moments of truth. And moments of truth are a big deal. And let's let's kind of identify what that means. So when we think about moments of truth, there's basically three different areas, right? A moment of truth refers to a brief moment when a customer interacts with a product or a service or a brand and forms an impression. And there are three key moments of truth. Let's just look at the three keys. The first one is what's called the zero moment of truth. And this refers to the research phase when a customer is identifying and evaluating options. They may search online, ask friends for recommendations, et cetera, to inform their decision. So I want you to keep that in mind because many of your clients today that are gonna be working with you in the real estate world are gonna vet you out online first. What's their moment of truth? What's their experience with your service or your brand in that world? The next one is what we call the first moment of truth. This is when a customer first experiences or interacts with the product or service, right? For physical production. Uh, It may be seeing it on uh, the shelf or testing it out. It may be uh, for services. It may be the first time using the service, uh, right? And the first impression matters here. So this gets down to your processes, right? When you have a buyer, when you have a seller, um, are your processes documented? And we'll talk about that, right? So that's the second moment of truth. Now let's talk about right the last moment of the truth these moments represent what we call touch points uh, where marketing can influence customers by optimizing each touch point point. and so are you optimizing your touch points companies can deliver uh, convincing messages we can set proper expectations we can provide good customer service and ultimately win the customer's loyalty paying attention to the moments of truth is key to successful marketing and strategies and so as you think about this and then the final moment of truth the, the, the very last moment of truth, which is what we call the second moment of truth, this happens after purchasing and using a product or a service. Um, and then they say to themselves, was it satisfactory? Did it meet expectations? Uh, right. The experience here shapes repeat purchases or use of the service, and it also creates a decision around brand loyalty. And so I want to walk you through the zero moment of truth, first moment of truth, second moment of truth, and ask you, you know, where are you, uh, where are you kind of uh, fine-tuning your process? So let's, let's start off. So these are some key touch points uh, in real estate uh, where the clients uh, need to have provided value. So the first one is simply this, is the process itself. Now, my question to all of you is, do you have a process? Do you have a process for your buyers? Do you have a process for your sellers? Do you have a process for your closed transaction clients? You know, so many times in our industry, I hear people say, my past client, my past client, my past client. I really wish you would stop saying that. I really wish you would say my client or my active client. Because if they're a past client, they're in the past, and therefore, once I close a transaction, I don't think about them. In fact, most real estate agents literally lead their client at the closing table, right? So if you don't have a, a, a real great process that is consistent and what I call client-focused, then I would suggest starting with the Ninja Selling book. If you haven't read it, I would, I would highly recommend you take a look at it and I can put a link to it in this podcast. But let that be a guide for you to start forming your process. Look at Appendix A, look at Appendix E, uh, look at the calling process, look at the listing consultation, the buyer consultation process. And start really honing your skills. Say, you know what? I have a process that I use every time. Because here's what I going to tell you, folks. In the service industry today, if you think about professional services that we seek as consumers, the ones that do a really, really great job have a consistent process. Yet, we come to real estate where it's the biggest transaction we're going to have in our lifetime. Yet, we have very few agents that run a consistent process. Okay? They just don't. So that's a moment of truth. Uh, When when I interact with you, uh, and here's what I'm going to tell you, folks, if you don't have a process, guess what your clients are going to create? They're going to create a process. So is it documented? Can you explain it to me? And do you do it every time? The next one is the frequent communication. How many of you on the initial consultation or somewhere in your information do you have a communication worksheet, a communication schedule, a communication expectations? To where you have set the groundwork for how you're going to communicate to a client and what they can expect, right? Keeping clients up to date on the entire process from start to finish and even afterwards, um, understanding uh, the communication in terms of how market is shifting and changing, uh, you know, shows uh, that you're working for them and keeps them top of mind, folks. I'll tell you this: if your clients are calling you, you're failing. So what is your communication schedule? Do you have a weekly communication schedule? When I sit down with you, do I clearly articulate, hey, here's how we're going to communicate. By the way, what's your preferred form of communication? You know, and by the way, I'll tell you, text is fine, but text is not great for what we call crucial conversations. That's when stakes are high, emotions are high, and opinions are different. And in those scenarios, I would educate my clients, say, hey, when we're going to have to have crucial conversations, my request is that we get on the phone or we meet face-to-face, is that going to work for you? Folks, so many times we don't set expectations, we don't set a schedule, we don't set a timeline, and then we get frustrated and upset with our clients. Guess whose fault that is? That is your fault. That's also a moment of truth. The moment of truth is how well do you communicate with me and keep me informed? And I'm amazed even today, and and not even with clients, I'm amazed today how inappropriate our communications are with our fellow colleagues and our our negotiating counterparts when we're trying to put together these high-dollar transactions. All right. So I want you to think about your frequency of communication and do you have a communication schedule and is it documented? Here's one that's really, really simple folks. When I call your phone and I don't get you and I get your voicemail, what energy is it? What moment of truth is there? You know, I hear people, I'll call them on the phone, they're professionals and I'll get the, you know, the, the digital voice that says you've reached 206-555-777. Uh, please leave a message. Folks, have a professional voicemail. Uh, what happens when I receive an email from you? Do you have a professional autoresponder? Uh, what happens when I get your email? So many I'm amazed. I'll get emails from professional people and nowhere in the email is a signature tag with any information on how I can contact you or learn more about you. Is it branded? Is it professional? These are moments of truth, moments of truth. Take a look at your stuff and see if that's working. Um, the next one is this. How many of you, when we think about moments of truth, how many of you as real estate professionals have a market research time schedule every week where you sit down and do market research to educate yourself so when you're communicating with your clients, you can educate your clients on what's happening? Um, do you know things about your neighborhood pros and cons? You know, sometimes I'll see agents say, well, I work everywhere. Why would you want to work everywhere? You cannot, you cannot give me the best service possible if you're trying to work all markets. You know, it's like saying to, uh, you know, uh, somebody in the medical field, well, I specialize in all medicine. No, you don't. You specialize in one thing and you do it well. Um, Do you understand the sales trends? Do you understand pricing? You know, demonstrate your knowledge with your clients by having informed information that you are doing research Because that's also a moment of truth. When I meet with you, what's your level of confidence in understanding what's happening in the marketplace and how well can you articulate it to me, okay? And also, is this knowledge that you're sharing or information that you're putting out there is also part of your social media and your web-based marketing? You know, so how many of you have really, really good social media channels where you're educating the client? And I know a lot of people that I follow do this well. You know, what happens if I land on your website? Right. And I and I vet you out on your website. This goes back to the zero moments of truth. And I don't see anything about how you're educating a buyer or educating a seller or what your process looks like or any of that information. It's very watered down. How robust is that area? Have you have you invested money in that world to say I'm going to have a great website that's going to educate my client? So if I'm not there to communicate, it does the speaking for me. And there's some great examples out there of agents that do this very, very well. The next moment of truth is your negotiation skills. Strong negotiation, right, on the client's behalf to get the best price and terms. This can provide tremendous value. Here's the challenge that I have. You know, I have agents that will discount their fee. And my first question to you is this. If you can't negotiate for yourself, how can you successfully negotiate for me? You can't. If you can't even negotiate for your own commission, how can you negotiate for me? So do you have strong negotiation skills? Are you a good person w- with, with problem solving and solution-based uh, thinking? And if you're not, there's some great books out there you can read about how to be better at doing this. I love the book by Chris Voss called Never Split the Difference, great tool. You know, And also your tact and understanding how to keep calm and how to be rational in situations is very, very important. But these are all moments of truth. These are all times when we experience you and we engage with you and it gives us a sense of confidence. Folks, your job in working with your clients is to make things clear and make things safe. And the way we do that is by having a process and a system and understanding of these moments of truth. Okay, the next one, responsiveness. Folks, being able to quickly answer questions and address concerns, and by the way, an answer to a question can simply be this, I don't know at the moment, but I will find out for you and get back to you at set time. And the other one too is, and also at the same time you're doing this responsiveness is setting clear boundaries on your time and their time. And what expectations you have for getting back to people. You know, I hear agents say, well, I work 24-7 or I am I work into the night. Why would you tell anybody that? I don't expect it. I don't expect my doctor to call me back at 1 in the morning. I don't expect my dentist to text me back at 2 in the morning. Because they've clearly set boundaries and expectations of when they work and when they don't work. And we are human beings. Why do we not all do this? You know, when I sit down with a client, I don't say, hey, what time works for you? I simply say, hey, I've got some openings Do either of these work for you? You know, one of the things i want to let you know is in this transaction, you do this at the beginning of your consultation, again, moments of truth, I'd love to set up our communication schedule. You know, I have found in my experience in being in this business, it is a very, very rare occasion that we will need to be communicating late into the night. Most of the things that we need to talk about or negotiate on can be settled anytime after 10 o'clock in the day. If we're in one of those situations, by all means, we will have a communication, but I will let you know when that's written, when we need to do that. But other than that, after seven o'clock traditionally on weekdays, I'm with my family. You can still text me at seven, eight, nine, ten, one in the morning if you'd like. I will be responding to those uh, next business day, unless it is mission critical, in which case, again, those are very small situations. Folks, If you're not setting up clear expectations with your clients, here's what you're doing. You're creating confusion and they're confused and they don't understand. So guess what they do? They run their own process. So, and I'm going to tell you this folks, if you, if your clients are calling you, you're failing, you need to have concise responsiveness and you need to have timing and when you're going to do that. And that's, and this goes back to time blocking and setting up your days really, really well. Okay. Um, The next moment of truth we talked about is networking. Leveraging your sphere of influence for referrals, right? Or to find off-market opportunities. Uh, This can be invaluable to clients. And also your resources. What are your resources? You know, you folks as real estate professionals, you have contractors, electricians, landscapers, painters, plumbers, um, you name it, right? You have so many resources. And you think about this. I go to websites that agents have and nowhere on there do I see those resources, or when I close on a transaction, and it's now six months after my transaction is closed, and I've forgotten my agent because they've left me at the closing table, and now I need an electrician because I want to put in, you know, uh, a hot tub, and I got to get a something wired, and am I going to call my agent? No, I'm not. But if that agent had had a clear, and beyond, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, uh, resource set out for me. At the time of our consultation, said, Hey, by the way, when we close, I would love to be your source of information as it pertains to anything related to real estate. And by the way, any of your family, friends, or colleagues that have anything to do in real estate, I would love to be the starting point for them because not only do I have great resources if they're local, I have phenomenal resources if they're not local where I can connect them with people who can help them to have the same level of service that I provided to you. But we don't do that, right? We don't let them understand that we have powerful networking capabilities, and that can be a value edge in itself. Uh, and then the next one is guidance. Um, you know, you need to offer guidance to your clients. Now, I'm not saying you need to give them your opinion. That's not what I'm saying, but you need to give them what I call choices and consequences. You know, so for example, if somebody said to me, hey, Michael, um, how much do you think our home is worth? i said, say, that's a great question. You know, I don't price homes, uh, the market does. But what I can tell you, is with my expertise in education and education understanding the market because i've been doing this for a long time um, i can help you understand where the market's telling us your home valuation should be in terms of a range and then you're going to need to decide if that uh that range is going to benefit you the other thing it will tell you is we always need always need to listen to the market because the market will speak to us the question is are you willing to listen to it you know many times i've seen sellers make decisions that inhibited their ability to sell their house but my job is to give you guidance my job is to say hey here's a choice in front of us and this choice has consequences and you need to decide which one of those choices is going to best fit your needs and your goals but your job folks is to give guidance right and show your expertise and how you help them make decisions that they feel good about we never make decisions for our clients Clients always make the decisions, we always control the process, but we want to make sure we're giving them sound advice. The next one is uh, closing preparations, right? Helping ensure a smooth closing and having timing and have that mapped out on the calendar and understanding uh, what they need to do and, and all the documentation and everything that has to happen when we close a home. You know, some of the biggest stressful times that clients have is when we don't meet deadlines and we don't close on time. So what's your process there? That can be a game changer. You know, a lot of times I'll see agents say, well, you know what, the transaction closed, but the problem is the the client wouldn't want to ever do it again. You know, and that's called an on-accident real estate agent. And you're not going to get a referral if you have a closed transaction, but they didn't care. And you know, in fact, I always say this, success in this industry is not when you get a commission check. Success in this industry is when you have a client who refers you and then you take phenomenally great care of that referral and you communicate the process to the person that was referring you. So take a look at that aspect of your business. And then this one, and I will tell you, in, in my opinion, this is one of the most important ones is and beyond, right? And you think about it, we close the transaction, folks. This is really when the relationship starts. And you know what just blows my mind is, you know, the um, NAR buyer and seller profile report that they do every year will show you that, you know, Sellers, when asked, would they use their agent again after they closed on a transaction, the numbers were extremely high. I mean, definitely was, I think, in the 70s. and I think you added another, I don't know, 20% or 19% that were in the most likely. And so they scored high, I think, close to 90%. I know the exact numbers. I'd have to look it up. But what amazed me is then the actual number of sellers who used the same agent again was less than, I think, 26%. So, so how does that happen? It's because our industry is very transactional minded. And what we do is we focus on the transaction and then we close, and then we go try to find another transaction. But if we were to take care of that client, and if we were to look at the math behind that client, that one client has the potential to give us four referrals every year. And the average person moves, right, every eight to 10 years. So think about that one client, they close and in eight years, Right? eight years. you know. So what's eight times four? That's 32. And then we can add another two transactions because they're going to move again. So that's, 30, that's 33, 34 transactions for one client for an eight-year period of time. And let's say that I've got a hundred of those people in my database. Well, what's 34 times a hundred? With an average GCI, you do the math. Folks, we're swimming in a sea of abundance, but here's the problem. We do not connect with our clients after close. And then we wonder why they don't choose us. They don't select us. Okay. So what's your process? And the other thing is this, is they need you, right? They've got challenges with their home. You know, we just right now, uh, I'm doing this podcast right now, but it's in the wintertime. You know, I know people that have had pipes burst. I know that people didn't, you know, get their homes ready for the winter. That should be something that my agent's giving me some guidance on saying, Hey, you know, we're going into the winter months as a homeowner. Here's some things you should think about doing. And by the way, if you have challenges or problems, please reach out to me. I'd love to help you and have resources. And if you have any family, friends, or colleagues that are having challenges, I'd love to be their resource too. You know, the biggest compliment you can give me uh, as being my client, if you enjoyed the process, is to allow me to earn the business of your family, friends, and colleagues by referring them to me. You know, do you do those types of things? And so all of this comes back to what I talked about at the very beginning, folks, is, you know, if we want our clients to pay us what we're worth, then we have to have a value wedge. We have to have um, differentiation. We don't want to be commoditized. And where does that come from? It becomes from the experience the client has at all the touch points of us providing services. And if all those start to be really, really good touch points, then what happens is they start to build brand loyalty to us. And so when somebody says, Real estate, they say your name and they refer you. And so I'm going to end this podcast with a couple little things here. Number one, folks, you're in a business. That's a high dollar volume. It's one of the biggest transactions people are going to make in their life. Run a professional business and run your business like a business. Number two utilize your company's resources. I know with Windermere, we have phenomenal resources that are available to our clients to be able to build up those moments of truth and do a better job. Yet I find that many times agents don't use it, right? Because they know better than anybody else or they've been, they've been sold a bill of goods by some company that's got the next greatest, you know, fishing lure or whatever you want to call it or shiny object that's going to change their business and it doesn't. And then last one is this, is believe in yourself that you can provide a high level of service because here's what I'll tell you. Um, you know, right now we're seeing, the, we're seeing a large exodus of real estate agents because of where the market is. And I think 2024 is going to be a great year. But here's what I'll tell you. The clients are going to migrate to quality. And are you the type of real estate agent that's providing that level of quality? Do you have a company that's backing you that's providing that level of quality? And do you believe in yourself? Those are critical questions to ask, okay? So I hope you found this content helpful. Uh, I would ask that you go back and you take a look at your business. You take a look at your processes and really identify, am I firing on all cylinders when it comes to my moments of truth and engaging with my clients? And do I have some of this stuff structured? And if you don't, right, then figure out, here's another one, get a coach, right? We, we coach agents and we coach on this stuff all day long. We help you set up processes. We help you set up systems. We keep you accountable so that you are having those phenomenal moments of truth so that you can capitalize on this phenomenal opportunity and swim in a sea of abundance of the businesses there for you to have a pretty amazing life. So think about that. And you can always reach out to us at windermerecoaching.com. Folks, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, If you like the stuff we're doing, please, a couple things, share it. We also give us a rating. It really helps us. If you really like what we're doing, please rate our content. Uh, And you can reach out to us at any time. You can just go to windermerecoaching.com. You can reach out to me directly at fanning at windermere.com. And uh, we uh, we always like to end these like we always do by saying, hey, everybody, be awesome and help somebody. And please, please, please make it a great day. We'll talk to you later. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our Windermere Coaching Minute. We hope you found this content helpful. If you did, please feel free to share it and give us a rating. And we'll always end our podcast by saying, be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day.